Hello, Renew. Good morning. How's it going? Good. Good. Awesome. I'm going to take this off. Um, oh, thanks. It's my comfort zone. My music, my music stand. I'll always be a music stand preacher. Um, so we're continuing on our series. Uh, I think we have a couple, maybe a few left in, huh? Strange Stories in the Bible, and uh, I've entitled today's sermon, I Saw You Under the Tree. I Saw You Under the Tree, John 1, 43 through 50. Um, but I, I'm wondering if you guys have experienced this more and more, but it seems like I've been getting more calls, right? Robocalls on my phone, more advertisements, more, what do you call them? Uh, Spam, yeah, I've been getting more spam mail, more spam Facebook uh, requ friend requests, more spam calls, and usually I don't like, I, I'll admit, I'm not a guy who likes to speak on the phone, right? I like to text, I like to message, I like to email, um, and uh, I usually screen my phone calls all the time, and if I see unknown number or spam or a number that's not in my contacts list, I'll definitely not answer it. But if I see the same spam call coming in um, day after day, I'm like, oh, I got to answer it so I can push two to be taken off their list or verbally say, will you take me off the list um, to whoever's calling? So just to get, you know, and I've been on all the do not call lists and put my number in there. Do not call me. Do not call me. So I don't know where all of this is coming, and it seems like during the pandemic, there's been more and more of this happening, right? Spam calls, people reaching out and calling people, trying to get something, trying to get information, trying to get account numbers, social security numbers, uh, pretending to be your bank, to pretending to offer a free Netflix subscription, pretending to this or that. Um, I think my um, people the other day uh, got a message like, we have a warrant for your arrest, or this is the IRS, you know, we have, you have uh, uh, a balance due, and we're going to, you know, take you to court if you don't pay this. And earlier in the pandemic, a lot of people actually fell victim to um, giving up their, um, in Washington State it happened, they gave up their... Um, unemployment benefits because of fake callers, robocallers. And uh, so this, this, if we were afraid of people calling us before, now people are way, way, way more afraid. And for those of us who are younger and have older parents, we're constantly telling them, don't click that, don't answer that, don't respond, don't respond, don't respond, right? Don't trust maybe 60% of the people who are calling you, maybe 80, maybe 90. Since I don't answer my phone, it's like everyone who calls me is a now spam, right? <laughs> Even church members are spam. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but spam calling, right? And it used to be before, back in the you know when you actually had real phones, landlines. Remember that, like. My son was like, what is this? 
thing. Like, how do you make a phone call on this roto dollar? Like, our kids really don't know what landlines look like. It's really, it just blows your mind how fast technology has gone. But back in those days, like in high school, if the phone rang, I was like, ah, is it for me? Answer, answer. Try to answer it before the second ring so they don't go away. Like, maybe it's that girl from school calling me. Yes, yes, yes. The, the ring of the phone was so exciting. Someone wants to talk to me. Someone is calling me. Someone, you know, wants to get connected with me. And they say, psychologists, sociologists, whatever, say the most, the precious word in the English language is the sound, the most precious sound is the sound of our own name, right? David, huh? Right? <laughs> we like to be seen. We like to be heard. We want to be called upon. We want to belong. We want to be needed. We need to be loved. And yet, there's a lot of distrust out there. There's a lot of fear out there right now, right? We tend to be, right now, a society and a culture that blocks our calls, that screens our calls, that is trying to, that are cynical about the people that are calling us or trying to connect with us. So it makes it even harder to connect, even harder to build intimacy, even harder to network and build relationships. So in our passage, uh, just in context, we are in John 1, and the first part of John 1 has got to be one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible for me, right? Because you start with this huge cosmic universal kind of in the beginning, right? Echoing Genesis 1, creation, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Wow, like amazing. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and with him, nothing was made that has been made, right? God of the universe, the creator of all things, in the very beginning. And the Word was with God through it all. And in him was life, right? Life, the breath of life. And the life was the light of all humanity. And this light is so powerful that it shines in the darkness and it pierces through the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it, has not overcome it. Right? And then later, if you read down in verse 16 of John, or verse 14, this word that we know about that was from the beginning with God in the very beginning and created all things and was the light of all humanity and the life of all humanity, this word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? And in this imagery, as we talked about with the Ark of the Covenant passage a couple of weeks ago, was, you know, the image of the tabernacle, right? The moving tabernacle and later the temple of Jerusalem where the presence of God, the glory of God was presence dwelling with his people through, through in the Holy of Holies and kind of 
uh, mediated by the priests um, of Israel. God dwelt with his people through the tabernacle, through the temple. And here we see even something more intimate, more like blow your mind. God, this word, this eternal, infinite word, all creating, all knowing word, became flesh and walked with us. Amen. Doesn't that just blow your mind? It's, a, it's, it's like the, my writing professor would say, it's the perfect like structure for a paper, right? Start big in your triangle, right? You go down to a point and that's your thesis and then move out. It's like do, 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 do until we can actually touch Jesus. Touch. And he is touching us and dwelling among us. Amen. The word became flesh and made his dwelling around us. So later we learn uh, that John the Baptist is rolling around with his two disciples and Jesus passes by. And John the Baptist has just baptized Jesus, has just you know, said, oh, I am preparing the way, a voice in the wilderness, preparing the way for someone who's coming after me, who is much greater than me, whose shoe I'm not worthy, whose sandals I'm not worthy to buckle. But Jesus asked John the Baptist to baptize him. And then we have the whole, and other, other gospels testify that the dove, a dove, the spirit like a dove descended upon Jesus as he emerged from the waters. And I ima imagine the scene is like slow motion, Jesus coming out of the waters of baptism and his long hair is just whipping in the wind and like, the sunlight is glistening on the waters that's dripping down his beard. Okay, n never mind. Um, but John the Baptist, he's walking later on after the baptism. He's rolling around with his two disciples. And Jesus passes by. And John says, look, the Lamb of God. Immediately, the disciples follow Jesus. It's like, bye, John. We're going after Jesus. What? And they come to Jesus and they say, where are you staying? Rabbi, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see. And remember that phrase, come and see, because it's a refrain that'll go throughout this chapter. Come and see. Come and see is more than just an invitation, right? Come to my birthday party, right? It's come and and see, right? It's, it's relational. It's an invitation and like witness what's happening. Come and participate. Come and know and see what's happening. Don't just talk about it. Don't just hear it and do nothing, right? But come and see. And actually, this will preach. This is actually, you've heard of the Seattle freeze or the Puget Sound freeze, right? People in, who come from the East Coast or other parts not from Seattle are like, why are Seattle lights so unfriendly or fake friendly, right? They're like, hi, 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 hi. But it's like, oh, you want to hang out? Oh, right? Like, oh, do you want to do this? No, 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 no. It's so hard to build relationships in Seattle. And that's what people call the Seattle freeze. But Jesus this phrase, come and see, just shatters that, right? Shatters that facade. Like, get off your butt and come and see, right? Come and follow me. Come and check out what's happening 
first person, right? Experience it. So Jesus says, come and see. And Andrew happens to be one of the two of John's disciples um, that's fo initially following Jesus. And Andrew is the brother of Simon, who we know as Simon Peter. Um, and the it says the first thing that Andrew does after hanging with Jesus, he goes and tells his brother, Simon, we found the Messiah. Come. Come see the Messiah. So again, here's this invitation. Come and see. Come and see who we found, this Messiah. Jesus sees Simon and renames him. Like, they haven't had converse, deep conversations. They haven't had a long history or of relationship. But Jesus says, I'm going to rename you. Right? Your name is no longer Simon. It's welcome to the rock. Right? In the voice of Sean Connery. It's the rock. Right? Jesus already knows who Simon will be. Even if he's not, Simon will be and could be a rock on, on whom Christ's church is built. So Jesus begins his ministry of saving the world, right? Pretty big ministry. And what does he do? Right? Does he find someone, a friend of his who knows how to do design to create his logo, Jesus Messiah logo, set up his website, get a Facebook fan page going, but that's not enough because he wants to draw the younger generation, so he gets his Instagram account, right? And, you know, he takes his Instagram selfie when he, after he, he's get, he gets baptized, right? Again, of his flowing hair and the sun glistening off the waters. His long dripping hair and the sun glistening off the water cascading off his face and beard and heavenly dove descending on him. Like that, that selfie got a thousand likes right off the bat, right? No, right? There was no social media campaign. There was no like, right? Pouring money into Google ads so your link would come up on uh, Google search. But Jesus' ministry begins with knowing people, right? Gathering people, inviting people, word of mouth, and connections. Connections that are already established. Jesus' ministry begins, one, with established connections and word of mouth. So we have John to his two disciples. One of them's Andrew. He goes and tells his brother, Simon, Peter, right? Uh, Philip, in our, our section, goes and tells Nathaniel, come and see who I've, who I've met, Jesus Christ. There's, this, there's these already established connections, whether it's brothers or friends, people who live in the same town. I think uh, it says that, the scripture says that Philip is from the same town as... Um, Andrew and Simon Peter. So possibly they know each other. Possibly he got the lowdown from uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, Philip did. And then that's when he goes and tells Nathaniel to come and meet Jesus. But there's this 
established connection and this word of mouth happening. Secondly, they check it out and there's intentional invitations, right? Jesus gets the ball rolling with the phrase, um, come and see, come and see to Andrew. Andrew, again, finds Simon and invites him to come. And Philip, who's from the same town as Andrew and Peter, uh, invites Nathaniel to come and see. When Jesus finds Philip, he says, follow me. And Philip just follows him. Do you ever think about, like, why did people just drop everything and follow Jesus? Right? Is it because he met something, that, a hunger or a felt need that was already going on beforehand and something in the way that Jesus, in what he says or how he invites them, gives them that sense of, wow, that is what I'm looking for. That's what I'm missing. That's the adventure I'm missing. My life is boring. What I'm doing is boring. Right? I heard there's going to be a remix of The Matrix coming out. It's like, I'm excited about that. But remember Neo, he's like living this dull, boring life. And Jesus comes in and says, come and see. Is it that? Is, does Jesus just have the Jedi mind trick? Like, you will follow me. Right? You will follow me and they can't help but follow him. There's something magnetic about Jesus. There's something that draws people to Jesus and makes people want to follow Jesus. And maybe part of it is that he sees and knows people, right? Just like Simon Peter. Your name will now be Peter. He sees and knows and speaks deep into um, the soul. It speaks deep into the inner dialogue and conversation around identity that we all go through. Who am I? What is my purpose? What am I to be about? There must be something greater than what I'm doing now. There must be something bigger than me that I want to be a part of. And Jesus sees this like a laser beam, calls it out of Peter, Simon Peter, and later here in Nathaniel. Follow me, follow me. As you said, Philip finds Nathaniel and invites him. We have found him, the one Moses wrote about, and also the prophet. Jesus of Nazareth. And in a very sarcastic voice, Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip on face says, come and see. He's like the rose-colored happy guy. Come and see. And I, I just spent time like imagining Nathaniel. And what I imagine Nathaniel, his personality to be is like one of those crunchy personalities, right? right. The grumpy uh, the Grumpy of the Seven Dwarves, or Oscar the Grouch, that person who is always blunt, right? They're honest, they're always honest, and are straight shooters, but, you know, their gifting is not diplomacy or kindness 
but they're more cynical than nice, right? Um, you know the ones that nice people say are mean people? <laughs> like, that guy is mean! Crunchy. Back in my campus ministry uh, days, we used to call uh, um, a certain type of young college male student, we called them prickly coconuts, right? And because we knew that they were hard and prickly on the outside, you know, and to, to off, so much so that they're off-putting, like, ah, like, I don't want to be around them. Like, they're always mean. They're always, you know, sarcastic. They're always, like, prickly, right? But then once you get through that exterior and you build some trust, um, they break open and out oozes out all this insecurity and they like, psh, there's this breaking moment, right? And so we talk about those people all the time and I imagine Nathan, Nathaniel to be this guy, right? Like the two grumpy men in, in the balcony during the Muppet show, right? The one with the sarcastic and true side comment that's annoying to all the rosy-eyed optimists in the room, right? I'm a huge Mariner fan. I'm always optimistic. I'm like, they're in this playoff race. They're still in the playoff race. The Mariners are in a playoff chase, and they're young and have a ton of upside, and it's a bright future for them. And then someone inevitably says, usually my friend Young, yeah, it only took them 20 years of irrelevance and losing. And it's like, come on, man! What a Debbie Downer! What a party pooper! Nathaniel, the internet troll, with the sharp bite of truth. It's like, ah! Yeah, can anything good come from Nazareth? And hopeful Philip, unfazed, is like, come and see! Come and see. You may imagine that it was different. But the reason why I say this is because right away when Jesus sees Nathaniel, he sees, hey, look at this guy. Is there anyone more truthful in all of Israel? Right? Is there anyone more to the point? Is there... Anyone who is more of a straight shooter than Nathaniel. And Nathan that perks up Nathaniel. He's like, finally. He's like, how do you know me? Right? You know me. Yes, I speak the truth. Yes. You know, I'm not about, you know, flattery or small talk or any of this. I speak the truth. There's no deceit in me. What you see is what you get. How do you know me? And Jesus responds to how do you know me with <laughs> I saw you under the fig tree. And this is why it's in our strange stories in the Bible. Like, do you ever, I've always wondered what was Nathaniel doing under the fig tree that would make him proclaim afterwards, oh, you are the Messiah. You are the great king of Israel. It's like, was it a Jedi mind trick? Or like, 
what was Nathaniel doing? And we could go, you know, maybe you can write, you know, in the comments what you think Nathaniel was doing. If you're online, write out what you think Nathaniel was doing under a fig tree that would move him so much to, to know that Jesus knew what he was doing. Was he? I'm trying to, try to stay out of trouble here. <laughs> maybe he was you know, sometimes I do when no one's looking, picking his boogers and wiping them on the tree bark. I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> Maybe he was taking his knife and carving. Nate was here on the fig tree in Aramaic, right? There's other things like, I think Isaiah was like, He's writing his name with his, with, with his P, right? On the dust, on the ground. Ah, <laughs> oh, so crude. Uh, I, what I truly imagine is that Nathaniel was having an oozing out moment. Right? Have you ever had those prayer times when you're on your knees and you cry but it's not just like a short cry but it's one of those cathartic weeping like it's coming from deep and you can't control your chest and it just keeps coming out and keep coming out and you're just weeping 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 right because coming from a deep place a deep place of pain a deep place of longing a deep place of sorrow Right? And it just oozes out of you. Maybe you're on your knees and you're like, you're in a bad situation. You're in a hard situation. Right? You know those uh, land full of plentiful. But right now, you're in the wilderness. Right? The desert. The desert place. And there seems to not be relief. There seems to be not an end in sight. God, what are you doing? God, what am I doing? I, what am I doing with my life? Is this what my life has come to? That's what I imagine is happening. Nathaniel is pouring his life out in prayer, honestly, authentically, before whatever, under this fig tree. And he doesn't know if God hears him. He doesn't know if God sees him. He doesn't know if God even cares or knows him. And it's into this that Jesus comes and says, I saw you under the fig tree. Wow, isn't that powerful? I saw you. I saw you. And somewhere along the way, in all of our walks, I, I will bet it, you've been in that kind of place. And you've cried out, and God has come through powerfully. And God has demonstrated that he sees you and he knows you. Amen? That's why we follow. Right? Because in the end, we don't just follow because I grew up that way. My parents told me to follow, and so I've always followed, right? That we know where the gas runs out on that. 
We follow Jesus, we follow God because we're known and seen by God. And he has said, come and see. And we have seen amazing things. Amen. So in summary, there is something magnetic about Jesus that people would meet him and immediately want to follow him. Secondly, when people encounter Jesus, they are moved by him deep in their souls, in their hearts, to turn over their lives. They are also compelled to tell others about Jesus. The woman at the well, right? Philip, Andrew, many, many encounters with Jesus that people have where afterwards they tell their neighbors, come, come, come and see. Like that's the natural response to being seen and known and transformed is come, come and see. Is that, that heart of invitation because you can't help yourself, right? When you've seen something really amazing and good, you're like, on, come to this restaurant. This is dope grinds, right? I really love this restaurant. You gotta come. Watch this television series. It's hilarious. It'll blow your mind. It's so, so good. You gotta come. And one of the most crucial, vital desires that we have as human beings is the desire to be deeply known. To be deeply known, to be known and seen, but then also to be accepted and belong, right? You know me and see me, and yet I belong. You don't reject me. And Jesus knows who Simon can and will be in the future, so he renames him Peter. Jesus saw and knew Nathaniel under the tree. He saw that what was perhaps off-putting to other people about his personality, but saw that as a positive, right? That is there anyone uh, who's as honest, who's as truthful in all of Israel as Nathaniel is? We don't know what happened under the tree that day. It's between Jesus <laughs> And Nathaniel, right? It's a private moment, an intimate moment. And I want us all to both remember and open our hearts to these private and intimate moments with Jesus. Jesus knows you. Jesus sees you. Come and see. Follow. Go deeper with Jesus. And my question to us, to, for you as you go from this place, as you reflect during your day, during your week, how has Jesus known you on your journey? How has Jesus seen you? What name has Jesus or is Jesus giving you? So that's one the second kind of application out of this 
is no matter how intimidating your friend is, your family member is, that other person who doesn't know Christ, no matter what we think their response may be to Jesus, our call is to invite, to say, come and see. Come and see this Jesus that I know. And I want us to, I want to challenge us, right? If this place, Renew, or church, the church community, being, worshiping Jesus, being in the body of Christ, is so good, is so truthful, then why do we not invite more people? Right? Amen? God has been good. We don't have to like, you know, dress him up, dress Jesus up and, you know, be like the PR person for Jesus, right? Jesus is going to do good things and powerful things in people's lives. We just have to say, come and see. And so that's my encouragement to us. Not just, you know, you know, I've heard pastors say, oh, invite people to church. Let's have invite to church day, right? We are the church without walls. We are the church out there. So wherever you find yourself, whether that be at work, in your, for me, it's, uh, I've been, I started coaching, volunteer coaching at Isaiah's Ultimate Frisbee Games and then being soccer dad. It's like, how can I invite people to come and see Jesus, right, where I'm at? And I think if we do that, we will experience the blessing um, and joy of Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are and that you know who we are, that we're known and seen by you and we belong to you. Help us to receive the joy and abundance and the hope and the grace and the mercy that you have for us to soak that in. Help us to give over our lives to you every day as we walk with you. And as we walk, may we invite others on the journey with us. In your name, amen.